Welcome to the Crook in the Book podcast, where three pastor friends discuss the Bible and how it connects to life and local church ministry. I'm Luke Miller, and I'm here with my coworkers and friends, Jeremy Muncy and Andrew Balich. Uh, because this is our first podcast, guys, it'd probably be good if we went ahead and just gave a quick explanation of what this podcast is all about. So, Jeremy, would you mind doing that for us real quick? Yeah, um, I, we talked to a few people about this, but it's it's been a, a, a goal of ours for a while to uh, start a podcast where we could uh, just as friends sit around and discuss the passage that we've been studying at church um, a little more in depth. Uh, we want to do this mainly for our people at Westwood Alliance Church in Mansfield, Ohio, people that we love, the people that we want to serve. And uh, we just want to provide a way for them to think more deeply about the passage that we are in, maybe apply it to their lives a little more fully. Um, it gives us an opportunity too to discuss things that we couldn't fit in a sermon. You know, may, maybe there was something that we really wanted to dig into uh, in a certain verse or regarding a certain word or Maybe there was an application we wanted to tease out a little more that we weren't able to. And so, um, yeah, this is a format where we can do that. And the, the other thing, too, is, is we want to be able to tackle certain topics at times that we can't fit into a sermon. And um, so, uh, yeah, this gives us a way to, to be able to get in discussions and, and to do it kind of more in a public way uh, to hopefully, hopefully uh, benefit our people and, and help them. Understand the truth more fully. Andrew? I'm going to add we get to do we get to do this sort of thing regularly uh, as friends ministering in the same context together, talking about the passages we're teaching, uh, talking about things that are going on in the world or theological issues, and uh, sometimes that doesn't it's not fitting for a Sunday morning sermon or a Sunday school class always. So uh, we get to benefit from this kind of iron sharpening iron and thought it might be valuable to, to let others uh, in on that. Yeah. Well, one thing I'd add too, you know, I, and, and two, you know, you're, you're not always going to hear us discussing a passage that we just preached on, but it's going to be something that's somewhat recent, probably in the book that we're still studying through. Um, I, we're, we're hoping to release, you know, these as often as we can. Um, if they're beneficial to you, let us know. You know, if you're listening to this right now and you, you're, you're, you're blessed by it, let us know so that we can, um, you know, budget our time wisely and, and figure out if we want to continue to not only do what we're doing now, but maybe add some more down the road. But... Yeah, I'm agreed. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump to James chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, which is uh, a passage that uh, Jeremy just preached on here not too long ago. So I'm going to go ahead and read that for us. Uh, James 1, 9 through 11 says, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade in the midst of his pursuits. So Jeremy, uh, if someone were to ask you what was the main point, the main theme of that passage, uh, how would you answer that? Yeah, I, I guess what I would say is um, it's a passage about boasting, you know, boasting in something. And so you got to ask yourself, what is James calling the people to boast in? And, and I think if you read it closely, it's pretty clear he's calling 
uh, all people, whether they be low or whether they be high, whether they be, you know, poor, or whether they be rich, to boast in the things that make them more like Christ. And uh, so when he says, you know, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, I think he's saying his exaltation in Christ. Because later he says, um, let the rich boast in his humiliation. Well, why would he call those two people to do what seemingly opposite things? Uh, because for the lowly, um, he's got to look forward to a future exaltation in Christ I mean, and rejoice in that. And for the guy who's rich, who's experiencing maybe good things in this life, um, his, his humiliation, the things that bring him low, remind him to look forward uh, to, to Christ and to look to Christ. And so um, I think that's the main point of the passage is uh, boast in the things that ultimately point you to Christ and make you more like Christ. I thought it was really helpful to make that that connection because I think that was one of the things that immediately uh, strikes you when you read this passage or hear it, if you haven't reflected on it yet, is it, it's really kind of surprising at the things that we're supposed to be boasting in or the the times when we're supposed to be boasting. And so to, to center it there on Christ and what makes us more like him, uh, I think is a way to it resolves the tension that I think James wants you to have when you read it as uh, a little bit of shock value there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything, uh, Jeremy, you had to kind of wrestle with as you prepared, either theologically or just how you were going to preach it? Yeah, I would say it was that. I mean, at what Andrew just said, you know, at face value, you read this passage and he says, okay, lowly, boast in your exaltation. Okay, rich, boast in your humiliation. He's calling two groups of people to boast in seemingly opposite things. When in reality, if you dig deeply and you read the context of this passage, uh, I think he's calling them actually to, to boast in the same thing, and that's in Christ and being made like him. Um, whether, wh- whether you're rich or you're poor, whatever state you're in, boast in what makes you like Christ. And so that's what I had to wrestle with, was just figuring out what is the main point of this passage? Because clearly it's talking about boasting, but boasting in what? Well, the only thing I had to wrestle with for this passage was uh, the closing song, and uh, that was extremely easy because a lot of this (laughs) uh, passage is included directly in uh, the song. uh, I can't think of the title right now, but it's a a Keith and Kristen Getty song, I Will Rejoice in My Redeemer, and it hits on all those those themes. My my job was pretty easy this week with with that one. Um, What are one, two ways that come to mind for uh, how we can apply this text to our own lives? Yeah, I guess what I would say is, um, you know, if you've lived the Christian life for any amount of time, you've experienced what it is to be poor in a particular area or to be brought low in a particular area. And it might be in your finances. Uh, that's kind of the most, you know, obvious way. But it could be in your health. It could be in your relationships. It could be... um just uh, in anything, any it can even sometimes be in your in your uh, prayer life. You know what I mean? Maybe your prayer life is in a is in a dry spell, or you're struggling with it, or I I don't know. You every Christian knows what's what it is to be brought low. You know, and so I'd say the the application I would have that just kind of comes to mind is just recognize the purpose for which God has put that in your life. God has brought you low in that moment. So that, you know what I mean, you will depend on him 
And so I, I, I guess um, that's the most uh, obvious application. When you're being brought low, rejoice in the fact that one day you're going to be made like Christ. You're going to be with Christ. And uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, Andrew, I'm sure you, yep. have you want to add. Yeah, the application that uh, was, I, I believe, part of the conclusion that uh, struck me the most and was most meaningful to me coming away from from this text and from from your sermon was the the question you asked about wanting to be like Christ more than anything. And if that's not where you are, how do you how do you get there? Uh, and you made the application of behold who Christ is as he's set forward uh, to us in the scriptures and then beg the Lord to give you uh, that that desire. And in that application, you offered us uh, hope uh, that I thought was a, a fantastic insight in the fact that you know James grew up with Jesus. It's his brother. Uh, and he missed it for years. Uh, it wasn't wanting to be like Christ, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't even in the place to behold and beg. And then there's something that changes, uh, very clearly. He's obviously a follower of Jesus when he writes this book and he refers to his brother as, uh, the Lord of glory in mm. chapter two, verse one. And so it was, uh, you know, that, that can be our story too. Uh, you know, getting to that place, uh, by the power of the Holy spirit, working through, working through the word. And so that was, that was the most powerful application uh, that, that, that I, that I took away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you guys have already basically said it, but I think this passage is just a wonderful reminder that, uh, any form of, you know, whether we're, things are going well or we're struggling, like whether we are tempted towards more towards pride or maybe towards kind of groveling, I guess, you know what I mean? Like it reorients us to where our, our hope is ultimately found and, uh, you know, looking forward to, to eternal life. Um, yeah, I just love the imagery of this passage. Maybe that's not exactly a application, but, um, just pretty unforgettable, almost poetic. You know what I mean? Just discussing mm. how we see this pattern, even a in, lot of James is that in way. creation, I think is pretty, pretty cool. Um, Jeremy, if you could preach this text again, is there anything that you would, would add or anything that you maybe would have included that you didn't have, have time for? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always stuff that we would add. I mean, one of the things people don't realize is when you're sitting there and you're preparing a sermon, uh, you have a whole lot of stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? You're reading commentaries. Sometimes you're reading other sermons that other pastors have done on this passage, and you're, you're gleaning material, you're gleaning information. And, and, and as, you, as you study, as the Lord's working on your own heart, you know, applications are coming to mind. And, and so there's always this humongous amount of material that you wish you could give to your people. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's one of the reasons for this podcast is to maybe try to give a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the section on beholding Christ, uh, I, I would have, I would have liked to have teased that out a little bit more, you know, because, uh, you know, Andrew mentioned it, you know, one of the things that, um, I recommended for people to do was to, to behold Christ and, and to beg him you know, to open your eyes uh, to see his glory in a, in a fuller, richer way. And so what is it to behold Christ? Uh, what does that really look like in the Christian life? Um, how do we do that? And so, um, of course, uh, it's, it's going to be based on Scripture. And so I, I guess what I would encourage people to do, and 
had I had more time, this is what I would have said. Uh, read the Bible with a lens, you know what I mean, with, with, with a goal, too, of seeing Christ. Okay, How can I see Christ and his beauty in this passage? How can I understand him more fully in this passage? Even in the Old Testament, you know, what, what, where is there a whiff of Christ here? You, you know what I mean? You got to ask yourself that question. Like, like where, where is Jesus or at least something that points to the need for Jesus or to the coming of Jesus or to the, do, do you know what I mean? Um, so I feel like as we read the Old Testament at times, we can, we can miss that. And, you know, in the last probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years, uh, that's about how long I've been in pastoral ministry, but it's really become popular to to read with a Christological lens. You know, a lot of uh, theologians, a lot of pastors talk about that and seeing Christ in the Old Testament. And so um, I would recommend that that folks, you know, read good material that helps them to do that. Um, what's the commentary series that Crossway put out on uh, its paperback? short commentaries um christ-centered exposition christ-centered exposition thank you andrew i i'd recommend you know what i mean when you're reading a, an old testament book especially you know study it with that book you know hand in hand you know re read that passage or read the chapters that you're reading and read that that commentary and if you're struggling to see christ um in the new testament it's a lot more obvious you know the new testament is about the lord jesus christ just in a very straightforward way. And so as you're reading the New Testament, and I'll let Andrew speak to this too, I'm sure he has all kinds of wisdom on, on these things, but um, as you're reading the New Testament, just look at Christ. And, and I know that sounds super simple, but I, I mean, don't just read something that Jesus did in the Gospels and just read it. Oh, I just read it. Yeah, somebody did, whatever. No, 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 no. Look at Jesus in that passage. Right, re read the passage and, and ask yourself this question. What does this say about Jesus? What, what does this say about the way that he treats people? What does it say about the way that he um, loves God, loves his Father? What does this say about, you know, what, what his goals are, what his priorities are? You know, what, what does this teach me about Jesus? You know, like, like when you were dating your, your spouse, if you're married, you know, I don't know about you, but like for me, I wanted to know everything I could know about them. I was enthralled with them. You know, every little thing that they did that was unique or cute or whatever, it was just like, oh my goodness, this is great. You know, I love them so much. Uh, have that kind of um, tenacity, I guess you'd say, uh, when it comes to your Christian faith and looking at Jesus. Like get into the Bible and dig and look for Jesus there, look at Jesus there, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you as you're doing it. I think that's what, and we, we've kind of lost it a lot in our, the way that we talk about studying the Bible, but in history, that's been part of the Christian discipleship that is uh, meditation. You know, it, you don't just read the text. Great point. Uh, you read the text, you meditate on it, you reflect on it, you ask those questions that you just enumerated for us. And that fuels your prayer life too. You know, praying yeah. uh, the promises that you find and the, the character of God that you find and your need of him uh, when you measure yourself against Christ and, and the rest. And so um, meditation, I think, is 
something that that we should practice and i think a lot of people do but we don't often use that term but i think it captures mm -hmm. what we're what we're talking about yeah so if you guys if someone would say hey like i i track with all this i agree uh but i'm just wondering like can you maybe give you a little more practical as to what does this look like going through a typical day um from start to finish if you were to kind of sum that up how do you try to practice in your own lives and we don't do it perfectly but how do you practice in your own lives trying to behold christ just kind of from start to finish throughout the day one of the things i do is um the time that i spend in the word usually early in the day um i i try to take that passage and that reflection time with me throughout the day so it's not uh you know, I spent my 15 minutes and now I'm moving on with the rest of the things I need to do, but trying to take away maybe a, a key insight, a something about Jesus that was really precious to me or something about um, the truth of the word that uh, I really need to work on. <laughs> you know, what it, there's all kinds of different ways that it looks, but really trying to be intentional about thinking about that, using the rest of the day for meditation uh, on on what the the truth of the word that the Lord is speaking to me uh, that day. So that's one practical thing. No, that's real helpful, man. I, th I think that's, that's huge. You know, you, a lot of times we read a passage in the, in the morning or whenever, and yeah, we, we, we think about it for a little bit and then we go on and we live our life and we don't think about it much more. And we, we've really lost the ability. I think um, at least in modern culture, I feel like we've lost the ability to, take something and just mull it over and think about it. And like you said, Andrew, meditate on it. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I would also say this too. And, and I think uh, you guys remember those like uh, WWJD bracelets back in the day. They're kind of coming back now. They're like a, like a thing. And it, it's funny. I, I asked a kid the other day, I'm like, you know what that means? And, and they actually didn't even know what it meant. Uh, it was out in public. They were wearing one, but uh you know, I guess when I'm going through my day, sometimes one of the ways I like to meditate on Christ is I like to to ask the question, you know, what would Jesus, how would Jesus be responding in the situation that I'm put in right now? You know, when somebody comes in for counseling and, and, and I'm trying to give them counsel, uh, how would Jesus treat this person? You know, and that gets me thinking about Jesus. I'm meditating on Jesus. And, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, I, I do a good job of trying to reflect what I think Jesus would do <laughs> based on scripture. And sometimes I do a bad job, sadly, you know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, your, your kids screaming at their sibling and whatever, and you go out there and you don't take enough time to meditate on how Jesus would handle the situation or whatever. But, uh, but so no, I do. I like to ask that question, you know, what, what, what would, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? What would Jesus demeanor be towards this person? How would Jesus respond to this situation? How would Jesus watch this show? You know what I mean? Or this movie? And I, I think you got to be careful. Like you can't go too far with it and like just assume, you know, exactly how Jesus would respond or react in every situation. Because sometimes Jesus surprises us. You know, you read the gospels, you're like, sometimes you're like, wow, I really expected him to flame that guy. And he didn't, you know, instead he was, he was so patient with him. Um, and then there's other times where he's just like, you brood of vipers. And you're like, whoa, whoa, you know, okay, I got to look at, you know, what, what, what's going on here. And so um, I ask that question, you know, oftentimes to myself, you know, Jesus, you know, 
what would you be doing here? And I, I almost do it even prayerfully. Like, I want to be like you. I want to honor you right now. What would you be doing in this situation? So I, I don't know if that's yeah. helpful or not, but. I think it's very helpful. I think we undervalue oftentimes just talking to him and just taking our burdens to him, either asking, what would you do? Or Lord, I know you can understand what mm. I'm going through right now and relating to him as your, your high priest. Amen. So that's a, uh, a good note on which to end that and move into our random question here that I have for you guys, which is prayer related, uh, perfectly enough. So what is the one thing in your life that you would say you pray for the most? I want to hear for what me, you guys this is going to sound. No, I was just going to say that uh, this, I, I don't know. Let's just say I have no intention of this sounding any, any certain way, but I, I do pray for myself the most um, in the roles and vocations that the Lord has put me in, in my own faithfulness, the shortcomings that I see. Uh, a lot of uh, what I pray for is centered around me, confession, requests, things I'm convicted about, you know, things that I want to be better at and do better at. Sometimes it's not a sinful thing. It's just a, something that I see an inadequacy in, in, in fulfilling the Lord's calling on my life in a certain area. And I, and I want to, I want to serve him better, you know? So, um, it's not only me, but a lot of time it's, it's, it's me. I have to, yeah, say the same. And a lot of that is because like, you know, everyone does this differently, but while I'm reading a passage of the Bible or even just like a, christian book or something for my devotions oftentimes i'll pause and pray about what i just read for a second before i move on and a lot of times you know the first person i'm thinking about who needs help in whatever area this is is uh myself so yeah i think that's probably pretty pretty natural um i'd say probably the the second thing i know that's not the question but the, the close second because people are watching would probably be for my my wife try to pray for her I'm sure I don't do it enough, but I try to pray for her often. That's beautiful, brother. We should. We should pray for those that God has providentially placed in our lives and to lift them up. That's that's the greatest gift we can give them. Um, you know, I never pray for myself, unlike you guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, 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 yeah, same. Because you're holy. Same kind of weird. thing. I, yeah. I, <laughs> you don't uh, need it. I would say, what's that? Say that <laughs> you again, Luke. I, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, clearly, clearly, I don't need it. You know, unless you actually know me or have spent even one minute with me, you know, I need prayer. Uh, I was surprised you guys didn't say you prayed for. I pray for Jeremy. That's the one thing I pray for the most. I pray for Jeremy. Um, no, I would say, uh, you know, it, it, the one thing I pray for the most, and this is going to sound, you know, um, like I'm just basing it on this episode, but I'm I'm not. Uh, I pray that. I would be able to treasure Christ more than anything else that I'd be able to love Christ more than anything else that I'd Cause I, I do, I know my heart, like, like Andrew said, you know, um, we know our hearts. Uh, I pray that, that, that Jesus, you'd be my greatest treasure, you know, and I, please, please be my treasure. Change my heart. Give me a love for you. Take away the, any calluses if they're building up, you know, and, and give me just a, a sense of, just joy in you and 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 you know the the yeah the second third fourth fifth things that i pray for are are very um centered around that too i pray that for my children uh, i have two teenagers uh if you know anything about the world they're growing up in you know that teenagers need prayer 
I pray for them that Jesus would be their treasure. They'd love him more than anything. Um, yeah, I pray that for our congregation. Pray it for my wife. Uh, anybody that I love, man. I pray it for you guys. I love you too. I pray for you guys often. Um, and that's my prayer. That's like the that's like the common thread. I feel like if you if you love Jesus and treasure Jesus, the other things kind of fall into place. Yeah. No, I often go back to praying for the the church family. Also, as I'm just reading through and pausing, and that's what comes mm. to mind. Like you said, because those are the people the Lord's placed in your life. Right. Well, good. Well, thanks, guys. Enjoyed this. Uh, thanks also to our producer in the background, Tommy Musias. Great job, buddy. Uh, we love we you. have our music by Gregory Allen Isakov, in case you were wondering. And join us again in a couple of weeks for another episode of the Crook in the Book podcast. Talk to you then.